What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 102 of the Shannon Plan Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero filling in for Akash, and with me, as always, on a Wednesday, Kyle Posey. What's up, KP? Hey, man. Uh, back to the real world for me in Arizona, but 49ers are keeping on, keeping on. So, whew, a lot going on. It seems like we're not going to talk about everything, but uh, we'll, we'll keep it on the field to current 49ers. Can I just say this with extreme pleasure? It's game week. It's ga- We have a game on Friday. I haven't been able to say that since the NSC championship game. The 49ers had a countdown clock for a preseason game, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) That's when you know you're really jonesing for some football is when you cannot wait for a game that's going to happen in, what, like 50 hours or whatever. Hey, I'm into it. I cannot wait. I will be locked in. Uh, We can talk about Kyle Shanahan kind of announced his plans for the starter, so we'll get into that. Uh, But before we do, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, Follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You're helping us get our star rating up on Apple Pods. We really appreciate it. Uh, I always say, if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it. This one comes from, and I'm sorry if I butcher the name, NS Squires on Sunday, five stars, subject Michelle all day. Gold Standard Podcast should be called the Silver Standard after last episode when Michelle murdered the wet blanket, Levin Black, in the debate. (laughs) I love to see a show. I would love to see a show with KP and Michelle. So there you go, Kyle. Michelle, I'm coming at you. I will not let you do to me what you did to Levin. Let me just tell you, Michelle comes with sledgehammers when you're in an argument with her especially a statistics-based argument like she and and levin had about whether trey lance could break the single season franchise passing record and she just billy clubbed him it was Oof. it was brutal man you had to witness a murder live how'd that <laughs> right. and since it was levin i was more than happy to do that <laughs> okay Let's get into uh, the first thing Kyle Shanahan this week kind of announced the plan for the preseason for Trey Lance and the starters. And again, this can change, but as of right now, it's Lance and everybody in game one against the Packers Friday. Then nobody or hardly anybody in the second week against the Vikings. And then everybody plays again against the Texans. What do you think of that plan? First of all, So the 49ers are going to go to Minneapolis next week, and they're going to have joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday against the Vikings. So there's no point to have those. Those scrimmages are going to be pretty intense, and there's no reason to have those two scrimmages be intense and then turn around and have your starters play in a game that means absolutely nothing uh, in a a couple days later. So I think it's it's a good plan as far as giving them a rest because there is you have to factor in the travel and moving around as well as getting them reps too. So Trey Lance has to play. And the reason that I, I understand, you know, why you don't want to probably pay, play him for multiple halves or, you know, a lot of quarters at a time, just give him a, a few series here and there. You're not going to see a lot in the preseason. Like these defenses aren't going to throw a lot at you. And the, like, honestly, nobody's going to remember what happened in the preseason. How many times have we talked about um, how Jimmy looked in the preseason? It's always, you know, what they do during the game. So, um, there's just too much risk and not enough reward. So I understand it. But again, at the same time, you can only simulate game situations by playing in a game. So uh, the controlled practices that can only go so far. And Kyle Shannon spoke about that a little bit. He said, um, I wish I would rather play only scrimmages and no preseason, preseason games. And how do you feel about that? What What's your take on the preseason in general? It doesn't count, but it does matter. And Kyle even talked about 
there there's a difference in a scrimmage and playing under the lights, you know, in a game situation, like some guys, it's too big for them. And and I'm old enough to remember when the 49ers chosen quarterback of the future was going to be Giovanni Carmazzi. And they played in the Hall of Fame game that year. And you could tell Steve Mariucci, who was the coach at the time, said you could tell his first play. The lights came on and he was like deer in the headlights. It was just too big for him. And they knew from that point on, like, well, we screwed it up. And of course, nobody even knows who Giovanni Carmazzi is because he's terrible. And Kyle talked about that too. You want to see how guys do under the lights if it is too big for him. So I think it does matter. I'm interested to see Trey a little bit. I want to see how he, you know, does he look more comfortable out there? I think there are things that you can take away. Yeah. So people are going to dissect everything that he does like from the drop back to where the ball is located to how many yep. times he throws the ball um he can throw the ball five times and we are going to be able to milk that for everything <laughs> is. so um get ready for over analysis during the preseason that's something that i, I kind of want to stay away from just making definitive judgments because, because remember last preseason uh trent Sherfield caught the long pass from trey lance and we thought this guy's really showing out during training camp He's finally, finally, the 49ers found a wide receiver three who can make plays. Sure enough, that didn't last very long. Surefield became an afterthought. And, you know, as, as, for as much as people talk about Tart's interception, um, Surefield was the guy who missed the block on second down the previous possession. And that's right. why the 49ers uh, went from second and one to like third and three or whatever it was. So um, you're going to see a lot, but it's tough to, again, really really take away a lot from uh, from what we're going to see in this preseason. Just don't get hurt. You know, Kyle yeah. had a funny line about the, the guardian caps that they're wearing in training camp. It's like the padded sort of attachment that goes on the top of the helmet. He said he loves it because he doesn't have to worry about anybody breaking a finger. Huh. Uh, I wonder if, you know, they maybe they told Trey Lance, like, hey, man, anybody gets close to you, just go down. Or, you know, like, just watch your fingers because clearly that happened against the Raiders last year. It affected him the entire season. And that's the biggest thing from the just get through without getting hurt, please. That sounded like somebody who was still bitter. That is number three overall pick was hurt all season. Yep. And he really couldn't use him all season. Uh, and we're a year later and he's still talking about it. So that was kind of funny to me. But I, again, he's been this team has been crushed by injuries and the fact that they still had so much success despite those injuries probably tells probably just says a lot about the strength of their roster and the depth of their roster. But I, th I thought that was pretty telling the fact that uh, Shannon has still hasn't let go of Lance's finger injury. <laughs> you think uh, Trey gets one series on Friday? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I don't think so. I think he's going to play two. Well, first of all, it depends how long these, these series go and yep. have the success. So if there's a 10 play series, out of the gate and they march down to score a touchdown, get them out. We don't need to see anybody else. We don't need to see anything else. Um, let Purdy go out there and throw the ball around. Let Sudfield go out there and throw the ball around. Uh, protect Lance, keep him in bubble wrap, and especially the offensive line like Trent Williams and, you know, some of the older guys. But if they come out and it's three and out, send them back out there and, you know, let them play again. If it's another three and out, all right, guys, last chance. You're going to go back out there and let's see what you can do. And if it happens again, then, then you know, you're done for the game. But I imagine it'll be somewhere between one and two. And that just depends on the result. Yeah, I totally agree. I would do the exact same thing. But I think Kyle's usually pretty good with with managing yep. that type of thing. Jimmy only played one series in each of in each game last series or last year, so that might be something that or people are going to compare that naturally. Kyle claimed he wasn't aware of that. Sometimes the man like he just says stuff, and I just don't 
believe him at all, like at all. Uh, speaking of that, actually, he was a guest on the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall and Adam Pacman Jones. And he had some interesting things to say, KP. Um, he talked about moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo and he said, or he framed it as more of a, hey, this was a salary cap consideration. We, you know, we have a lot of guys to pay. And so, you know, you got to make tough decisions, but like, you don't let your quarterback go if you've got a good one because he's too expensive. So he can try and frame it that way, but I didn't buy that at all. No. And he, he made it sound like, you know, we knew that we, it would be tough to keep Debo, keep Kittle, keep Warner. And then he also said, we know that we're going to have to play, but pay Bosa and then maintain, you know, whoever develops down the line. So he did frame it as if it's nothing personal against Jimmy, but financially this was the best bet. But people are forgetting the fact when he said, hey, we know how close we got. I know how hard it is to get back there. And I also know that in this league for a quarterback, you need to be essentially a top five talent. So that was his version of telling us Jimmy was not good enough. And as hard as that may be for a lot of people to digest, he also went out, went on to say that, you know, a quarterback can't do it all. So when you ask the quarterback to do something, he has to be able to do something. He has to be able to, you know, do enough to put your team over the top. And we've seen it time and time again, whether it um, I mean, there are so many examples of Jimmy coming up short and I don't want to seem like I'm stepping all over him. But like, that's just a fact. And the 49ers came up short with Jimmy and now. Uh, that's why they turn the page with Lance and he'll, he'll have a long leash. And I think that's going to give Lance a lot more confidence knowing that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder, but um, it, it's not really a surprise for Kyle to come out and say that. And I honestly, I appreciate his honesty, which is funny because he will, he will say something like that, whether it's talking about the financial, uh, the 49ers financial situation or just Jimmy in general. And then at a presser, just like you said, lie straight directly to our face. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to hear the refrain from all the beat writers. Oh, Kyle Shanahan is so honest. Most of the time, but not all well, the time. Yeah. Like any coach. Um, the other thing Kyle said, which I kind of took me by surprise, is he was asked about trading up from 12 to 3 when they drafted Lance and which quarterbacks he was considering at that point. And he said there was only two, and it was Trey and it was Mac Jones which I think that kind of helps fill in some of the blanks in terms of why so many people thought that they were going to go with Mac Jones, because I'm sure people in the 49ers organization knew that Kyle liked him. And so they talked to reporters. I know people like to think the 49ers never leak, but they do clearly. So I think that's part of the reason why we saw so much Mac Jones speculation at that point, because it was true. He did like him as he just admitted. Yeah. And he, he talked about, Shannon said that he had a, a strong feeling that he felt like people were going to hop in front of him. Who was going to trade up for Mac Jones? Like in his mind, I guess that just kind of tells you he's thinking because I'm high on Mac Jones or Trey, for example, maybe everyone else is, and that's just not how the league works. So in a sense that, that kind of tells you, you know, some of the drawbacks of these guys where they get so singular focus on something and they think everybody's going to be with him. But I, it's not really a surprise that they were in on Mac just because, as you said, every like all month um, leading up to the draft, it was Mac, Mac, Mac. That's all we were told. And it never really felt like it was Mac. And obviously that's wrong because he's admitting uh, he was he was really um, a bona fide finalist. But I think eventually they made the right decision because uh, as much as he he talked about Mac and he's hyping up Mac, he, he's talking about he talks about the talent at the position a lot. And he also talks about. Um, not, not only the scheme fit, 
but what they put on tape from, you know, arm strength, athleticism, um, going to the right spot with the ball. So like a lot of the quarterback things you want to see is where Trey excelled at. So I think, you know, three, four, five years from now, we're going to be looking back at this and say like, uh, San Francisco got it right. Like they, between Mac, who is not really a high ceiling guy, he can get the job done right now, right away. But I feel like we all know what Mac Jones is going to be three years from now. The way that we're talking about Lance right now is not who he's going to be. He's going to be a completely different quarterback. And that's where um, the projection comes in. And that's probably why uh, Shanahan eventually chose Lance. I thought it was interesting, too. He said, like, he felt like he had to make the trade up to three just to get to know about Trey Lance. Because if you're at 12 and teams here, you're doing all this research on Trey Lance and you're meeting with him and going to the pro day, like, that's a strong signal that if somebody else wants him, they're going to have to leapfrog you. Whereas... If you're at three, especially when you know that Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going one and two, there's nothing anybody else can do to leapfrog you. So you could do whatever you want. You don't have to sort of play those games. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I can only imagine how how close you have to keep things to the vest. But also, and and maybe that's, you know, he had to tell somebody that he's interested in Trey. He also had to tell somebody else that he's interested in Mac. That person he told probably told somebody else. And it's like the game of telephone. Like he tells somebody else. He tells somebody else. So that circle that you have to trust. It's, I do not envy the position that they were in, um, especially at number, you know, being so high. I and mean, still, they have to they have to get the pick right. And there's no te- there's no like we don't know if Trey's a guy. Like he seems like he's the guy. He's getting better every day in practice. Um, he has the physical tools that you want in, in a quarterback. But again, uh two years from now like what if he's not the guy like what are we going to do we're going to look back and blame Shanahan Uh, who else gets the blame so uh, I think this whole scenario this whole situation about Lance and everything involved is so fascinating and I think even if it doesn't work out like I love it they made the swing I love it they made the move and honestly like right now that trade is not looking horrible they gave up the 12th overall pick but they got the third overall pick the pick they gave up last year was very late in the first round because they went to the NFC Championship game. I mean, as long as they don't fall flat on their face this year, that trade is going to look a lot better now that we will be able to see all the picks that it involved versus when we first heard about it and it was, oh my God, three first round picks. This is such a huge price. The Rams, when's the last time the Rams picked in the first round? <laughs> Jared Goff. Exactly. So like five, six years ago. And they don't miss like they're not missing a beat. Obviously, they've been in the playoffs. They won a Super Bowl there. They usually advance far into the playoffs. So the um, the thinking or the line of thinking that, you know, you have to have a first round pick to develop a team or you have to build your team in a certain way. That's so old school. That's so traditional. And that's just not how the NFL works right now. Just get good players. If you have to use multiple first round picks to get good players like the Rams did with Jalen Ramsey, then so be it. And, And that's not to say Trey Lance has to be an all pro like Ramsey or develop into that. He just needs to be competent. And if Lance is just slightly above average, why he's on a rookie contract? And that'll allow the 49ers to take swings at the trade deadline and not only bring in a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, and that doesn't mean wide receiver, but it could be any position, but keep that guy around now because they can afford to extend him during free agency or come free agency next uh, next year. Now they can take a take a swing on you know a high-end safety, for example, and pay him and keep him around. Think about it. When's the last time they've had like a playmaking safety or – just be able to attack positions or just build their team in ways that they haven't been able to because they do have the cap space. And I know people are probably going to get tired of hearing about that, but with, when Jimmy Garoppolo's contract is off the books, they're going to shoot into the top five in cap space. That has not been the case for a long, long time. And this team has been aggressive. And I imagine once they get more money, 
they've been aggressive with you know being in the middle of the pack of the salary cap. So now once they're in the top five, I can only imagine um, John Lynch during free agency. I mean, they were aggressive going to get D Ford and paying him. They were aggressive going against Trent Williams and paying him. The best thing you can have as a team is a loaded roster and flexibility salary cap wise. And that's the world the 49ers could be living in very, very soon. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, you were at training camp. Jordan Elliott is at training camp. There's some takeaways. I know Jordan had an article on Niners Nation right now with five big takeaways. We're going to get into some of those when we come back. All right, KP, I know you were racking up the frequent flyer miles going to training camp. You have now returned. You are back in the friendly confines, but Jordan Elliott is still at camp and he has an article on NinersNation.com, five big takeaways. I thought some of these were really interesting. Let's just start with the first one. Number one, according to Jordan, this is the best roster the 49ers have had in at least a decade. Do you agree? Whew. We we actually not me and Jordan, just me and Jordan, but there was like a group of us and we were talking about this because it essentially comes down to the early hardball years who were loaded at every position. And I feel like it's the style you prefer because those hardball teams would like knock you knock you out. Like they're gonna yes. come out and they're gonna throw haymakers and they're gonna keep throwing haymakers until one lands. That doesn't really seem like this version of the 49ers style. Uh they are just really sound don't really make a lot of mistakes on defense and obviously there's speed everywhere on offense, which I don't feel like that was necessarily the case for those hardball teams. Um, whew, it feels prisoner of the moment to say that this is a better roster or that this is the best roster in essentially a decade. I don't know if I can say that because there are so many unknowns and question marks for Trey Lance, like what he's going to be, but I will say yes, just because I'm going to give them the coaching edge. I, I would trust Kyle Shanahan um, as opposed to Greg Roman, which I know I'm going out on a limb there. What do you think? I think that it's clearly the only competition are those Harbaugh teams. They were more like Harbaugh teams had almost everybody punch you in the face. Anquan Bolden, Mike Upati, Joe Staley, Frank Gore, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Justin Smith, Alden Smith. Like, my God, they were just one of the most physical teams I think I've ever seen. The 49ers have a lot of physical guys, but not quite as many. Um, which quarterback are you giving those Harbaugh teams? Are you giving them Alex Smith or Colin Kaepernick? That's a good That's a good point. I mean, Harbaugh basically told us he wanted Cap uh, by the moves that he made. So I guess we, we'd have to compare Cap to Trey Lance. And again, we're going based off of what we're expecting to see from Trey Lance. So that, that makes it a lot tougher. I, Oof, I don't know. I think, Lance, I mean, Lance is the number three overall pick, so that's easy to side with the higher draft pick. Do the 49ers have the receiver edge? Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle, compared to Vernon Davis, who was, speaking of speed, faster than everybody all the time. Uh, they had Ted Ginn, who was faster than everybody all the time. And then Anquan Bolden, my favorite receiver of all time. So those three. Wow. Yeah, I love Q, man. Like, that's my guy, guy. So You um, forgot about Crab. And freaking crab chews and uh, what top 10 overall pick, right? So, yeah, it loaded like again, these rosters, and it, maybe it depends on what we get from my this year. Um, it's a fun discussion to have, but again, I think it's a preference, and I think like that's literally where we are with this team, like they are so damn loaded, it's gonna be so much fun this year. All right, next takeaway the 49ers have a true number one cornerback, you know. You've talked about 
Jarvarius Ward, all camp long. Everybody has. He's doing great. He's doing great. If he's this good, and I'm not saying he's not, but the only thing that worries me in my head is if he's this good, why the hell would the Chiefs let him leave? That is a really good question. So the only the only issues that I had when I watched him this offseason were like strength, like at the point of attack. Will he be able to hold up against the A.J. Browns? Because that's who he had problems with against those, you know, 6'3", 215 plus guys. But how often do you run into those? And for for all the strength issues, like he's still in a position to make a play. So you're, you're basically betting on 50-50 balls and him not coming up with those. Maybe they know something medical-wise. It seems like he's a great teammate. They love him already. Um, he's, he's essentially a coach on the field. You can see him talking to the younger guys. You can see him interacting with the safety. So uh, he's not closed off. He's not staying to himself. I don't know because he's young and he's ascending up. He's going in the right direction. Maybe he just wasn't in their plans. Maybe they didn't feel like he'd reach the ceiling the 49ers do. If I'm him or if I'm the 49ers, I'm bringing any cornerback who I feel like has that level of talent (laughs) because I have a defensive line and the Chiefs don't have that defensive line. So maybe they felt like their resources are better um, somewhere else. But that that's been really tough for me to answer just because watching him play, you're like, wow, like this dude looks apart. He really is their 2019 Richard Sherman, 2020 Jason Verrett. Obviously, they didn't have that guy last year. Still made it to the NFC Championship, but when it was time to get a stop, they couldn't. And maybe that's why uh, they were willing to slightly overpay, but I don't think he was overpaid by any means. Yeah, the Niners really haven't had a number one corner like for any extended period of time. You mentioned Richard Sherman. Hell, I'm old enough to remember when they made a big trade for Antonio Langham back in the day, which nobody <laughs> knows who Antonio Langham is, nor should you really. Um, but I hope that he's as good as he has looked because if he is, it's going to add a whole new dimension to the defense. All right, let's look at some of the other takeaways. Oh, this one is interesting. This is the 49ers best defense in the Kyle Shanahan era. 2019 versus 2022. And that's going to be the argument, but they were really good in 2020, even without Bosa, which is kind of nuts. They were great last year um, with, Josh Norman starting at cornerback. So, <laughs> and um, starting a lot. Yes. Most of the season until the play, until it got to the point where, all right, man, we, you can't run. We can't put you out there. We can't do anything on third downs. Uh, D'Amico Ryans deserves a very, very uh, strong raise after his performance last year. Who, okay. So we get Nick Bosa, the better version of Nick Bosa. As a rookie, he was very good. But he was kind of like a chicken with his head cut off. I, I think he he would always chase Russell Wilson on like play action pad. Like he would do small things that he just doesn't do anymore. He doesn't make those same mistakes. DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead? Eric Armstead, defensive tackle, last year down the stretch was as good as anybody in the league. So um, assuming that you're still getting like the all pro version of Eric Armstead, that, that's going to be tough to bet against. And then essentially it's going to be who is the other guy? Who is the D four? And remember. D Ford, when he was on the field, they were dynamite. They were lights out, but he did not play a lot that year. Um, is Samson Ebicom going to be able to provide the same things D Ford did? I don't know. That's a lot to ask, but they are deeper along the defensive line. I will say that. I think that a lot of these guys, whether it's Charles Aminahue, whether it's Kevin Givens, I mean, obviously the hope is that you get something out of Javon Kinlaw. Like those guys are better versions of um, I forgot who was the who was the edge guy's name in 2019 who, who came off the bench. Oh, his name is slipping my mind right now. Um, but 
I feel like whether it's Ebukam, whether it's even Drake Jackson, Charles and Minhew, like those guys are better than, oh, isn't it? It's going to drive me insane that I can't. <laughs> I don't know why I can't think of it either. Uh, but I mean, linebackers, if we go to linebackers. So Fred Warner, this version of Fred Warner is better than the 2019 version of Fred Warner. That version of Fred Warner was real. Oh, Ronald Blair. That's who it was. Jesus. I feel like the guys <laughs> that they have now are better, are better versions of what Ronald Blair gave them in 2019. Um, this version of Fred Warner is better. Uh, the his supporting cast. I know Dre that was Dre Greenlaw's first season. He's obviously better now that he's more seasoned, more experienced. Is he's Shire better than uh Mark Nazacha or who were they throwing Oof. out? Yeah, because they, they, they released Malcolm Smith. So that I, um, oh, Quan Alexander, that was it, that was who it was. And then again, so if Traverius Ward gives you what Richard Sherman gave you, if Jimmy Ward can still just turn the ball over, like essentially you're. You're just asking for your secondary to turn the ball over. I thought Akella Witherspoon was good that year. I know he got beat in the playoffs, and um, Emmanuel Mosley had to play Probably removed. Right. <laughs> right. Dang, man. I forgot about that, the Steph, Steph Diggs game. But, yep. again, a lot of these are the same players. They're just better versions of those players. I wouldn't be surprised if this team is better. It'll take a lot because they, when they get on you, when that 2019 version got up, they just like you didn't have a chance. It, it it was a shock when the quarterback dropped back and there wasn't somebody in his face. But again, if we feel like this defensive line is deeper, they should be able to come at you in more ways. So I think I I think I'll take the the hot take version and say 2022. Again, that that presumes health. And I maybe you think this is premature. I think they've got a better defensive coordinator this year than they had in 2019, to be honest with you. And I, this is not to trash Robert Sala. I think D'Amico Ryan's is better. I think he's better i think i love what he does on third downs more i feel like he's more creative he's more willing to disguise some things i feel like robert Sala was kind of conservative he was more like hey we're gonna do this one thing really really well and we don't think you can beat it but i think D'Amico ryan's confuses some offenses sometimes so i give him the edge no doubt about it so i think he's a better coordinator i think he's going to get a job faster what robert Sala did was hey i have these four dogs up front i'm gonna rush him and then let everybody else kind of do their job. D'Amico on third downs. I have these four dogs up front. I also have Fred Warner. He's going to come at you too. <laughs> and best of luck. So I think that there's no doubt. He's just more creative and more aggressive, which puts more pressure on the, the opposing offense. So we were talking about the secondary. Kyle Shannon's currently speaking on KNBR. He said Charvarius Ward, who we just spent a lot of time hyping up, has a muscle strain. And that's going oh, to no. keep him out a couple of weeks. So Manu Mosley. Hamstring strength. He has missed the last three or so practices. He's going to be out for a week. Uh, Charvarius Ward, prize free agent signing. He is now going to be out a couple of weeks. Shut him down until the preseason, right? Like there are until yep. for the rest of the preseason. Don't need to do anything. Don't need to hear from him. Um, we know what he can do. Get well. Week week one is all that matters. Injury bug strikes again, man. When will it stop? Well. The plus side, Trey Lance is about to start looking a hell of a lot better in practice because <laughs> he's going to be going up against Ambry Thomas, Diamondor Lenore, and what? <laughs> I mean, you know, John Lund likes to say hurt guys get hurt. It's kind of true. Like, are we surprised? Are we stunned that Emmanuel Mosley is hurt? No. 
part of the reason they've had such rotten injury luck in the Kyle Shanahan era is because they keep bringing guys back that have long injury histories. So it's the same people that are getting hurt again and again. It's not like they're totally turning over the roster and it's this, you know, unbelievable occurrence that these guys are getting hurt. That is not the case. And you just said it strikes again. I don't remember Traverius Ward having an injury history. Like, there's no doubt Mosley does. And maybe that's why. Maybe we're, we're talking about reasons that the Chiefs let him go. Maybe he was banged up in practice and they felt like he couldn't be reliable. Maybe that's an overreaction. But uh, we are. it's the first week of August, and we're already talking about, you know, both cornerbacks being banged up. Yeah, very frustrating. But like you said, multiple, multiple weeks can be missed. There's hell there's 17 days between the 49ers last preseason game and their regular season debut. So there's still plenty of time. Like you said, no reason to rush anybody last takeaway in the article. I want to get to is the one that I think is going to be the hardest for 49er fans. And that is to exercise patience with Trey Lance, Trey Lance's development. You just talked about it. Five throws, he, if he does five throws against the Packers on Friday, we're going to dissect. I'll be there with my scalpel in the instant reaction show right after, breaking it down. What about this throw? What about that? Was this good? Was this bad? I'm going to need to pump the brakes because I am, like, rearing to go. I feel like a racehorse at the at the starting block. Just open the door and let me go. The first incomplete pass, pitchforks. Yep. The first interception, bench him. <laughs> um, the second interception bring back jimmy mm-hmm. patience is not going to be a thing jordan it's adorable that you thought that was going to happen um that must be your first time on the internet because that is not how it works uh we want instant results right away i don't care if he's 32 or 22 I think Shanahan's going to put him in a position to succeed. Like he's not going to ask Trey Lance to do things that he can't. He's not going to ask. He's not going to put more on his plate that he can't handle. And whether that means, you know, running the ball more, whether that means throwing the ball underneath like he did with Jimmy or just getting the ball out of his hands and letting his playmakers do uh, the heavy lifting. But there's going to be a time. There's going to be a stretch probably where whether it's games three to five, there's going to be a multiple game stretch during the season where you're watching Trey Lance and you're wondering, what the hell did the 49ers do this for? What were you thinking, Kyle Shanahan? And that's okay, man. You have to go through the history of rookie quarterbacks, see how they produced as a rookie. This Josh Allen that you're seeing right now, he wasn't Josh Allen in 2018. He wasn't the Josh Allen right. thing. Watch the, the playoff game against the Texans. He was horrific. If you watch multiple games that year, you're, you're, the Bills are probably wondering, did we take the right guy? Are we sure about this? So again, Lance having a long leash will allow him to make mistakes. And it's just going to come back to Lance being able to learn from those mistakes. And I think he is. I think he has that Midwest work. I think um, he's going to figure it out. But I mean, don't, don't bring the pitchforks out after the first interception or two, because that's just inevitable. That's how football works. Even go back, look at Russell Wilson in 2012. He had a fantastic rookie season. He threw for fewer than 200 yards in more than half the games that year. Now, some of that is because their defense was insane. But the point is, like, nobody's a finished product, especially Trey Lance in year one, a guy that's had – he's one of the most inexperienced NFL quarterbacks we have ever seen in the history of the league. So I agree. It's going to be bumpy. 
you're right. That first time he throws over somebody's head or behind somebody, it's going to be accuracy issues. Can this guy get it done? He, you know, he sprays it like a fire hose, all that stuff. But part of me hopes that Kyle comes out on play one and just dials it up. Give me a play action bootleg like he did last year against the Chiefs when he threw the long one to Sherfield. Like, come right out of the gate with it, Kyle, and just troll everybody. Let it fly. I would love that, man. And, and if anything, that so we do that at the high school level, and that just calms your quarterback's nerves because you know he's going to come out. He's going to be juiced up. And Trey Lance is probably going to overthrow whatever his first pass is because of nerves, because of being so anxious. So um, I like the idea of, you know, calming the nerves and letting it, whether it's a deep pass, whether it's a boat, whatever it is, uh, let him throw the ball down the field because that's what he does best. And if it's a complete, if it's a pass interference, great. If not, all right, settle in and we're good to go. I want to see how he reacts to. I'll never forget. There was a Packers game where Garoppolo hits Kittle. He's wide open and Garoppolo hits him. And it was like a 50 yard touchdown. And after the game, Jimmy, all Jimmy talked about was when he dropped back and saw George there, all he felt was fear, fear that he was going to screw up the throw. And you saw that on a lot of plays where guys were wide open. There's so many plays where Jimmy messes up the throw. It's so bad that it can't even be caught by the receiver, let alone taken in for a touchdown. I wonder, I want to see if Trey has that same mentality because it doesn't strike me as he does. Like he doesn't strike me as a guy who's afraid of anything or not ready for anything. He wants to see George Kittle open 50 yards down the field because he's going to let it rip. And I just felt like with Jimmy, he was always trying just not to screw it up. The fact that he came out and said that kind of tells you all about his mentality. Um, you have to have confidence, man. You have to, you need confidence to excel at this position. So if he's not trusting what he's seeing, if, if Jimmy's just aiming it, and this is the guy that Trey Lance had to learn from and probably hear the things he had to say, uh, that is something that, you know, you just don't want to happen at all. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that's not Lance. Are you, you have some breaking news here? Sorry, I'm just seeing uh, there's a report that Frank Gore was charged with assault in a domestic violence investigation. According to court documents, he is he grabbed a naked woman by her hair and dragged her across a hotel room's hallway during an altercation in Atlantic City last month. Holy smokes, Frank. Wow. I, I look, I don't know what to say about that. I'm just absolutely stunned. Uh, it just goes to show, though, we don't really know these guys and and we don't know that any of this is true about frank gore um but you know there are just certain guys that you never think that this sort of thing is even remotely possible and i'm i'm stunned yeah it's really tough to separate the player from the or you know the player and the person and we're not used to that so we see an athlete and we're thinking all right because he's my favorite player i'm going to put him on a pedestal and treat him this type of way and that's just not how it works man so I mean, there's not really much to dive into other than the facts, and I don't, I don't want to say something and, and this turned out to be something else, but just not acceptable. It goes without saying, right? You, you can't do that, and you can't do that and expect to get away with it. And this isn't Frank Gore, but there are plenty of athletes who feel like they are above the law and can, can kind of get away with whatever they want to because they've never had to answer to anybody, and uh, hopefully this just doesn't turn into something bigger. That's just a sad I mean, we don't know what's true and what's not and all that will come out. But right now, it's just, man, you know, you went from a situation where he signs the one day contract and everybody's given Frank Gore his flowers and he deserves them for an incredible career. 
And, you know, maybe he was going to have some sort of future with the team. And now all this happens and we have no idea what's going to happen. It just changes, you know, your perception of how you look at everything. So stay tuned to Niners Nation. We'll keep you posted on any breaking news. Uh, I hate to end the show on such a downer. Um, Focus on the preseason game on Friday. What can I tell you? Uh, Please keep your ratings and your reviews coming. Like always, if you leave it on the show, we will read it. KP, I appreciate you showing up, unlike a certain (laughs) co-host who will not be named. Of (laughs) course. You can follow Kyle on Twitter, at KP underscore show. I am on Twitter and Instagram, at Stats on Fire. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody.